Look at Isaiah chapter 6. I want to start with people that have gotten encounters with God. What I want to start with right now, this, this message is called Encounters with God. Everybody say that with me. Encounters with God. Start in the Old Testament. Let's start with this guy named Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a prophet in the time of Israel's captivity. The people he was around didn't love God at that time. They didn't love God. They didn't want anything to do with God. And let me just give you a side note right now. This pastor is tired of trying to be with people who don't love God. Not in the sense of not evangelizing them, but I'm talking about in the church. So if you come to church and you don't love God, you and I aren't going to hang out very long. Because I'm going in the river. Amen? I'm going in the river. You see, some people just want to stay ankle deep, and they want to come to church, and they want the pastor to stay ankle deep with them. But I ain't doing that. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't no fool. I am not staying in ankle deep water while there's a whole river gushing by me. I am not going to stay in ankle deep water. So listen to me. This is how it rolls in all the services. I'm willing to invest everything I have, all my money. I'll sell my house right now, uh, the apartment, the car. I'll live in a mission just to keep this thing going. Somebody say amen. So trust me, I don't care right now. So there's nothing you can do to convince me to change my mind. I've been doing this thing for 13 years, and every time the Lord asks me to go to another level or to go deeper, I have been willingly going with Him. And every now and then, right before I go deeper, you know what? happens i get content i get stale and then when the lord brings me deeper it's so refreshing i get a little crazy and i feel jesus hallelujah some of you know what i'm talking about hallelujah it's like a dog that's been chained up and all of a sudden you let go of the chain it's like it's like jumping all over the place come on and that's what you're seeing i'm going to that another level look at your neighbor and say he's going now how about you Amen. Hey, how about you? Where are you going with God? Do you want to stay at the measure of glory you have? Do you want to stay there? Some of you, I'll tell you what's so funny. This is what what makes me laugh. (laughs) I have to chuckle. You know why? Because some people came to this church, didn't know one thing about God. They come to this church and they see the measure of the anointing of God in this place. Are you all with me? They see the measure and, and they've enjoyed it. And so let's say the measure was this bowlful. And they come to church, and every time they come, the Lord pours out this bowlful. And they love this bowlful, and they think this is all there is. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, their pastor saying, hey, there's a whole swimming pool of the glory. And now they're looking at me like, no, pastor, all I want is that bowlful. But let me tell you something, before you ever came to this church, it took me a while just to get that bowlful, okay? But now I recognize there's a pool, there's an ocean, so you all better get with it, Amen. Now, if y'all want to stay at that bowlful, that's all right. You can freeze time for 2005 when Metro Praise started then and go to those services somehow, some way. But listen, we are going more, more, mas, fuego, mas, river of God. Amen. Just another measure. It's another measure. And I will tell you what, the, the greatest thing I've been getting out of just hanging out with Jesus is just hanging out with Jesus. It's simple. It is so simple. I mean, I've made PowerPoint sermons till they come out the ear. I've wrote the books. You guys know, I mean, some of you are just like, man, I just love the discipleship books. Praise God. I wrote those books. Amen. God's grace. That's what we did. But I want to tell you something. This season is like no other season. You know why? Because I'm just hanging out with Jesus. 
It doesn't mean there's no doctrine. It doesn't mean there's no teachings. It doesn't mean that we don't go out evangelizing. We go out evangelizing high on Jesus to give them the glory of God. There's just so much more. And this season, I want to tell you, uh, Hebrews talks about there being a season of rest, that when you're in God's presence, you rest. I want to tell you what I'm seeing more in every ministry, everything possible, and I am doing less. I am doing less, and God is doing more. And that is so much fun. How many know worrying doesn't change a thing? How many know that? So why are we even doing it? Why are we even worrying if it doesn't do a thing? We might as well just get in the river of God. Yes, we work hard. Yes, we pray hard. But we need to learn to play hard. We need to learn to be filled and filled and filled with God. One of the Psalms says, and I don't have time to read it to you today, in His presence, this is what it says in the Psalms, in God's presence is the fullness of joy. Fullness. Fullness. So think about that time you watched a movie, and it was so funny. Like you watched an Adam Sandler movie, or you watched that, that Jim Carrey movie, you know, and you were just laughing, and you were rolling all over the place. Listen to me. Jesus has more joy than that. Hello? You all got to get a revelation of that. He says, in His presence is the fullness of joy received. <laughs> <laughs> you ought to need to receive something. Some of y'all don't believe me. Like, I don't think I can laugh in His presence. Yes, you can. Just receive. And then it says next, In His presence is the fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures in His presence. Dude, I am so excited about what God is doing because I am just feeling His joy. I am feeling His joy. Yes, there's a time to intercede. And there's a time to weep and to pray for souls. But that's not how we should be hanging out with our daddy. That's not how we should hang out with our father. How would you like it, uh, mothers and, and, and fathers, here, if every time you were with your children, they just kept crying and crying when they were around you? Sometimes that's all we learn to do in God's presence was cry and cry and cry. When are we going to get the joy? How about just resting in His presence? Amen? There is a time to cry, and we're going to cry for the souls. But we're not crying for where we're at with God. You should be close to God. He's your best friend. Amen? Now, if you get away from that, that's called sin, and that's why you repent. But if you're in this spiritual cycle of repent, cry, feel Jesus, sin, repent, cry, feel Jesus, sin again, repent, cry, feel Jesus, you're missing the point. It's the only time you feel Jesus, if the only time you feel Jesus is when you sin, repent, and cry, you're missing it. You can, you can avoid the whole sin, repent, and cry part and just get to the good part hanging out with Daddy. Amen? Abba, Father, Papa, you can be around Him and just enjoy His presence. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I want you to look at Isaiah 6. Somebody say, Encounters with God. Isaiah lived in a time when people did not want it. They did not want it. They did not want God. The God of the Bible had showed up to them with signs, wonders, and miracles. Sunday after church, Arson and I and Augie, my wife, and Mike are going to Devil's Lake. We are driving. We are on our way, and David Carrasco gives me a call. And one of the guys that he was mentoring, that had come to a couple services before, said that when he came and got in the presence of God here, his body got on fire. But it wasn't a good fire. It was a tormenting fire. And he wanted to leave. So eventually the service was over and he left. And when David Carrasco called him that following week, he cussed him out. Then he called him back again. And then he said, David, I think your church gave me evil spirits. Because he said he was hearing voices in his head. And on the phone, then he started to manifest. He started to growl. He started to curse God on the phone. David called me up. This is right after crossover last week. I'm telling you what happened, guys. And then we go to David's house, and David says, I think he's telling the truth. And I'm like, dude, it sounds like he's telling the truth to me. Let's go over there. 
So my wife and I and Arson, and it was so funny because just like, just like slightly, I just said to Arson, hey, dude, you might have to hold him a little bit. And Arson didn't really know at that time what that meant. But I was like, dude, you might have to hold him. So we go into the building where he is. He's, he's cool. He's calm. He's normal. He had been in our church service, but he had devils. Real deal, guys. I'm going to explain this to you. It's nothing like you've ever seen in our services. The first time I've seen it here in Chicago in three years, and God said, son, I got more. Get ready. And this is the real deal. Shade of beta boda ba. Come on. This ain't no game. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. Revival is here, guys. Get in it. This brother saw it. I wish a lot of you would see it. We're going to keep praying and rebuking devils, so get ready. And so we're in that room, and I just say, devil, we're coming after you. In that moment, he just snaps. He starts to growl and flip his arms around, tries to attack me, starts cursing in Spanish. And for the next 20 minutes, we talked to the demons because he could not tell us why the demons were in him. We had to ask the demons why they were in him, what authority they had. And if you read the Bible, they talked to people. If you remember, they said that they were a legion. They wanted to be thrown into pigs. Another place, they said, son of David, what do you have to do with us? Another place, they asked the guys, who are you? Demons are asking me who I am. I'm telling them, shut up in Jesus' name. And after 20 minutes, we saw the man set free. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the glory of God. That's the glory of God. But guess what? He didn't come this Sunday. And now Arson and I are looking at ourselves, looking at each other going, oh my goodness. They're going to come seven times worse now. This is not a game. Listen to me, Isaiah the prophet lived in the time when miracles had happened, when they had seen God split the Red Sea. They had seen God do miracles, but the people's hearts got hard. I was listening to our missionaries, uh, the, the pastors of, of Tisa and Jean, they're called Heidi and Roland Baker, and I was listening to them. They've seen 60 people raised from the dead on account of all the other miracles. Deaf ears opening, blind eyes. They've seen 60 people raised from the dead. Some of those 60 people aren't living right for God. Can you imagine that? You look through your Bible and you look through the stories of Jesus. Jesus was raising the dead, healing the sick. And Judas stayed the devil, had the devil in him the whole time. Did you ever think about that? Judas still betrayed Jesus even after he himself went out and cast out devils. The Bible says 72 of them went out two by two. Jesus sent them out, the disciples and the other disciples. And they came back rejoicing that devils were cast out. Remember? Then Jesus said, don't rejoice that devils listen to your name. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Judas was around all of that, even used by God, and he still turned his back on him. I'm going to tell you what, it's greater than our laughs. It's greater than Jesus tickling us. It's greater than the tears we cry. It's greater than falling down, going boom. Oh, all of that is fun and worshiping God. I'm going to tell you what it's about. It's about having encounters with God. It's about being with Him. That's what it's all about. You, you may like the goosebumps. You know what? I've been doing this long enough to see people come to church just for the feel good. It's like their little pick-me-up shot, you know. They've been feeling bad all week, you know. Oh, I feel good now. And they want to walk out, let the devil beat them up all week, you know, sin, repent, cry, and they come back, little feel-good juice. That's not what it's about. It's not about you. It's not about you. See, you and I have to get that out of our head. See, the American mindset taught us it's all about us. So I come to church for me, for me to feel good. they got to sing songs that I like. They have to take care of the children, my, my children the way I like. The sermon needs to be for me. It has to do this. We never think about coming to church, coming around our brothers and sisters saying, what am I going to give God? What am I going to do for the Lord? You know, just ask yourself this question. Did you come here today expecting to give the Lord something? Or did you just come here just expecting to take, take, take? You see, the Lord wants a relationship with us. 
You see, if all you're doing is just saying, Lord, you know, just bless me for these few minutes, you're going to walk out these doors and betray Him again. You're going to sin. But if you see Him as a real living person, as who He is, the Father, the God, Almighty, His Son, and the Holy Spirit, you'll have a relationship with Him. And ask Him, God, what do you want? What do you want? Do you know that most of the people throughout all of history who have served the Lord have done so working jobs just like you, nine to five? Do you know that the greatest revivals right now in Argentina and uh, China and in uh, Africa, all those people work jobs, full-time jobs? So some of you are just like, well, you know, I don't have time just to go away to a monastery and hang out with Jesus. No. He's saying you can have it now. You can have a deep relationship with Him now. You should be wanting encounters with Him now. Your prayer times in your house should be the greatest times you have with God. Your prayer time should be the most explosive time. And then when we come together, it should then be a result of all of our prayer times. And then we could just see lost people saved. You get a blessing from somebody else. You see, because you've had a walk with God. Instead of coming to church saying, this is my devotional life. Everybody with me in Isaiah 6? They didn't want God. God was far from them, and He was about ready to judge them. So God speaks to Isaiah. Look what happens in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Come on. Isaiah saw a vision of the Lord. He saw a vision of our God. Now, I asked the Sunday morning congregation, and I'll ask you, how many here like to believe lies? Anybody? How many would want to believe a lie, even if it, just, like, if it was a lie, but it helped you? How many would believe that? Okay, we'll pray for you. We'll rebuke that spirit of lying off of you. Come on. You wouldn't want to believe a lie, even if it helped you. What about telling our children lies? Would you want to tell your children a lie if it just put them to bed easier? Some of your parents might be tempted right here, but... Would you tell them a lie? Like, oh, if you don't go to bed right now, you won't get a gift from Peter Pan in the morning or something? How many like lies? Does anybody here like lies? Let me ask you a question. Do good people, honest people tell lies? Is that what they're known as, liars? No. Let me ask you a question. Is this a lie? Is this a lie? Then why are we treating it like it's a lie? Why are we treating this like this is a lie? Like these people are lying to us. You say, Pastor, how are we treating it like a lie? You treat it like a lie when you don't believe this and interact in this and receive this and do this. This was a man, just like you and I were our man. And those who are women are women, but you're of mankind. You're of the human race. Guess what? God wants to show you visions and dreams. God wants to show you His presence. Now, we may not all see it like Isaiah, but we can be hungry to see the Lord. Why is it only the psychics and these new age people get to see dreams and visions? Haven't you read your Bible? The book of Acts says that young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. The Bible says upon sons and daughters they'll prophesy. Don't let this world take away your soul. This world is trying to take away your soul, telling you you're just a body. You're just a mind. If you can't figure it out, then it doesn't make sense. That is a lie. You are a spirit and a soul. If you don't believe us, just hang around and watch some devils get cast out because there will be no doubt in your mind. Watch a miracle. We are spirits and souls. Don't let this world take your soul. Begin to have a relationship with God. I challenge everybody here to believe the Bible. To actually believe that there is a creator of the universe that holds the world in His hands. 
that looks to and forth across the earth for people to show Himself strong in. That there's actually a God, the Bible says in John chapter 4, who is seeking, He is looking for true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. That actually there's a God that is waiting to find people that He can pour His Spirit out on, pour His glory on, and show Himself strong. He's looking for a generation to do that. I believe before we go meet Jesus in heaven, the church will be stronger than it's ever been. I really believe we will do double and triple, quadruple what the book of Acts even showed us. This is just the starting ground. He said you'll do greater works than these. It doesn't mean we're greater than Apostle Paul. It just means we should do more and greater because when he comes back, we need to be shining as sons and daughters of God. We shouldn't be some weak, pathetic church. What has happened to us? Let cross over, cross over to the other side. Amen? Let's cross over to the other side. Let's show this society, this world, that we are spirits, that we are souls, and we don't have to fake it. Listen to me. I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm not telling you to fake you feeling Jesus out here. If you're not feeling Jesus, then you need to repent of sin and get right with God. I'm just being honest with you. Because I don't have to fake it. I am feeling Jesus. I am feeling so much of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, man. I mean, I, I just, just have experiences one after another. You know, just every day it's fresh. Every day it's new. You need to see God. Look at Isaiah. He says, I saw the Lord. Seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. Each had six wings, with two wings that covered their faces. The two they covered their feet, and with the two other they were flying. Now listen, this was uh, an angel called seraph that has six wings. Did you know those exist? Did you know that six-winged angels exist? I bet you there's a few of them flying around here tonight. Hello? See, why do we think that's weird? Why do we, why do we get weird about that? Why is all of a sudden that's not cool? When you used to go to some Catholic church and they had all these statues of angels and Gabriel and Michael, and then you know, now that you actually believe they're here, now that you actually believe God's moving, people think you're crazy. You go around and talk to people, oh yeah, I believe I have a guardian angel. But then somebody says, hey, I saw my guardian angel and he cast out a devil and did awesome things in my life. People are like, oh, you're nuts. You know, you, you, you tell them that you saw an angel actually do something. They're like, that's crazy. You read the Bible. The Bible says angels would have meals with people. Bible says that angels let people out of jail. Hallelujah. Bible says that an angel would touch the water and people who got in that water would get healed. Healing angels. The Bible says in Hebrews that they're ministers of fire. And they come with power. When we begin to pray and we speak in tongues, the Bible says tongues is the language of angels. And the Bible says I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. What do you think they speak in heaven? English? You think they're like, hey, Gabriel, go over there and do something. You think they speak Spanish like, hey, paso, whatever. No, they speak in other languages. I'm telling you. Either you and I are just babbling or we're actually communicating with angels. We're communicating with God in His holy kingdom. Praise the Lord. I mean, God can do what He said He would do. Amen? There's these six-winged angels. They're so beautiful as it's described here. Bible says that they're flying around the throne. So they got two that fly, another two that cover their eyes, the two wings, and another two that cover their feet. So two down at their feet, two in the middle flying, and the other two covering their eyes. They are flying around the throne. They are flying around the throne. This is what's going on in heaven right now. Isaiah saw this. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. 
They didn't say the whole earth will be filled of His glory. They didn't say that the whole earth will be filled of His glory when our president gets an understanding of what's going on in Iraq or when politics work out. No, He said the whole earth is full of it right now. Right now. The question is, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see the glory of God or do you see the wickedness of man? The Bible says it's up to us. We are the sons and daughters of God. It's up to us to invade this world and to manifest His glory. Listen to me. If, we were, if, this, if this room was pitch black right now, pitch black, all we would need is one candlelight and it would begin to expel the darkness. All you need to do is tap into His glory and you will set, be set on fire and you will start to show His glory on this earth. He is here. His power is here. He's waiting for us to connect to it. Oh, glory to God. Hopefully somebody will get that. At the end of the story, it gets even more clear. But keep going. Look what it says here in verse 4. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So in this place where God dwells, the place is filled with smoke. Now look at what Isaiah does. He starts off in verse 5, Woe to me, I cry. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So what's the first thing Isaiah gets? The revelation of when he sees the Lord. How pitiful he is. How he's nothing. How he is sinned. He sees those mistakes in his life. And you know what? That's where we start. We start with saying, God, I'm just, I'm not deserving of this. I guarantee you the more glory you see, the more you'll see how you're undone, how you're not good enough. But the good part is, is God invited us in. He invited us to this relationship. He's not going to cast us out. Look what happens. He begins to cry out, okay, I'm, I'm undone. Then one of the seraphs, this is one of those angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the thongs of the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. You and I can have encounters with God where sin is done away with. I don't want to keep repenting of the same sin over and over again. Yeah, there may be times when I get deeper and deeper in God, I see more things that need to change. But when those things get brought up, He can take a coal, representing the coal off the altar, the fire of God, and He burned His lips, symbolizing that the cleansing was coming, that the cleansing was changing Him. God is looking for a people that want to get close and intimate with Him, that He can take away their guilt and have an open relationship. Oh, praise God. It says, this has taken away your guilt. Your sin's been atoned for. Now look at verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? You notice us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity. It doesn't say just who will go for me. It says who will go for us. And I said, Here I am. Send me. You see, immediately Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord. He saw how awesome he was. He saw the angels. He gets touched. He gets cleansed. And now the Lord says, now who's going to go and tell others about my glory? Hello. Who's going to go out and tell others about this relationship? And he just shouts out. You could just see yourself being there. I'll go. Send me. You need to go. You and I first need to have that encounter with God. And then after that, we need to go. We need to go and tell the whole world there is a God that can show you visions of Himself. His presence can come in rooms and change you. You can be so close to Him that He shows you your sin. But He cleanses and washes you clean. He can give you joy. He can give you peace. And then He'll send you out to show the world His power. Isaiah, in the midst of a world that hated God, 
in the midst of a people that wanted nothing to do with God, God found Isaiah and said, Isaiah, if you want it, I'll give it to you. I'll take you up here. Be with me. I'll show you my power. I'll show you my glory. I'll give you a taste of heaven. I'll show you what it's about. Now turn with me to the book of Acts. You might say, well, that was just the Old Testament. Somebody say encounters with God. How many want another encounter with God? Amen. How many want to go to another level? Amen. When was the last time you were in the throne of God seeing the seraphs? Hallelujah. You think it's wrong to ask? There ain't nothing wrong with that. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, give me visions. I saw the Lord's glory one time in a dream when I first got saved. And after I got saved, I got so sanctified and spiritual that I stopped dreaming. I stopped seeing visions. And just recently, I said, God, give me dreams and visions again. And I was dreaming the other day that I was in a mosque and it was in America, so it wasn't overseas. And there were Muslims bowing down and praying. The Spirit of God then came in the room, set them on fire. They got saved. And then our worship band, a rock and roll worship band was worshiping. And Muslims were jumping around praising the Lord. And I woke up the next morning and I said, said, Lord, what does that mean? And God said, Son, I'm sending revival to Islam. I'm sending revival to the Muslims. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't get tired of those dreams. I want so many more of them. So many more. Jesus, show us your glory. Come on, let's just go in the book of Acts. You all know Pentecost. It started with the twelve. Come on, but I want to show you some other encounters with God. I want to show you what these boys did when they started to go out and preach. Because you remember, they had their encounter. Now they go out and start preaching. I want you to turn with me to um, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Skip ahead to Acts chapter 8, my fault. Let's go one more. I'm going to show you this one. Now, I was going to show you how Stephen, or rather Philip, was a deacon of the church. We all do the, the biblical way of authority and, and uh, uh, authority and eldership here. We go elders and deacons. That's how we do it here, okay? So Philip was a deacon in the church. And if you have time, you can read about that. But look at what happens here. Look at uh, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to this death. Stephen got stoned. And on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Excuse me, going from house to house and dragged off men and women, put them in prison. That's going to be a price of having the glory of God, by the way. Amen? Now look at here. It says, those who have been scattered preach the word wherever they went. What are they preaching? God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God wants you to come to Him. He's got the glory to give you. He's got His presence. He's going to change your life. So He begins to preach and proclaim Christ there in Samaria. Verse 6, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, So this is not one of the twelve disciples, but they see signs. They all pay close attention. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, so that there was what? Great joy in the city. One man, Philip, begins to start preaching. What happens? Paralytics get healed. I want you all to start finding paralytics and bringing them to our church. I don't care if we got to pray for a thousand before we see the first one healed. We're going to keep praying for them. All the people that I've learned from and I've been watching that have seen great miracles like our missionaries, they say, don't quit. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep praying. And eventually you'll start seeing them raise up because your faith gets stronger. 
Listen to me. You've got to do that. We've got to start believing God for signs and wonders. Anybody that you even suspect has a demon inside of them, bring them to church. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. That's how they preach. Now I want to keep going here with you. Go to, go, go to uh, chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. We're going to talk about Peter going to Cornelius' house. Somebody say, encounter with God. Shebe. We want a real encounter with God. Tongues is wonderful. The presence of God is wonderful. But there's more. There's more. It goes through us. You know, it goes to us and then through us. You know, and that's what we need to get deep here for. That's why we need to start worshiping Him and start praising Him because there's so much more. I know some of you right now, you can't get your mind off of yourself, okay? But you get in His presence long enough, He'll fill you up until it overflows. And then you'll start seeing the world like I do and the way the disciples do. It goes through you. It goes through your family. It goes to Belmont and Clark. It goes to Ohio Park. It goes to your job. We want to see God's glory. This place is being filled right now because you're here because of His glory. Griselda was sitting in an Easter service. Pastor is preaching. He stops and looks right at her. Tells her all about her life. Did not know one thing about her. The pastor stopped and told all about her life. Come on, how many want to see that? How many want to bring your friends and see that go down? Glory to God. We want to see people get set free. Oh, I love Jesus. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 10. Just receive. Just receive. Now they get visions, by the way. Angels come and show up. Finally, they end up going out to preach at this guy named Cornelius' house. Read the story if you want to learn about it. But here's an awesome church service. Watch this. Chapter 10, verse 23. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day Peter started off with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in the Cana, in the Caesarea area. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So everyone look up at me, please. Here's the story in a nutshell. Here it is. It's very simple. Peter is in a city. He sees a vision of animals, and then God says you can eat all these animals. The Jewish people were only taught they could eat clean animals. They couldn't eat any lechon. No lechon for them, okay? They couldn't eat pork, and they couldn't eat crawfish. That's for me down south and all of that. But Jesus says to him, you can eat all of this. The very moment he gets up, Two men are waiting at the door. They have seen an angel, and the angel said, these guys are Roman soldiers. Cornelius is a Roman soldier, and he sees an angel, and the angel says, go tell Peter to come here, and he'll preach to you. So the moment Peter gets out the vision, there's these men that the guy sent saying, we got a message that you need to come over here. So then he invites them in, and that's where the story is. So now they're heading over there. And look what Cornelius did. Cornelius was expecting them, and they had called together his relatives and close friends. What you and I need to do is expect a visitation from God. Now, if the Bible doesn't say that Jesus Christ was walking on water again. No, no, no. He was expecting Peter. But why was that a good thing? Because Peter was carrying the glory of God. And you're going to watch here in just a minute. He actually tried to worship Peter. That's how much he respected the glory of God on his life. But that did not stop. Uh, uh, well, first of all, Peter told him to stop. But that didn't stop his faith. His faith was saying, if a man knows God and I know that man, then that man through God is going to do stuff in my life. Does that not just make sense? That doesn't mean you worship that man. It just makes sense. So if you and I truly know God, people should be privileged and honored around us because God-type things are happening. Miracles are happening. People's lives are being changed. Cornelius was expecting them. And he had called together his relatives and close friends. I remember the first time I got saved. 
And I just got all my close friends around Jesus. And I remember they began to persecute me and hate me. But there was this one guy named Tim that got so convicted a few months later, he got saved. And there was another guy named Ricky. He gave his heart back to Jesus. He was a backslider. He got saved. I remember when I first got saved, people all around me started getting saved. Then I started going out to the streets and preaching, seeing people saved. You and I need to understand we can bring people around us and show them God. Let God do the rest, though. Amen? We don't have to force it. In just a few minutes, God's glory is going to come in this room. We don't have to force it. Just receive it. And then when you go out and preach, just release it. Amen? It says his close friends were there. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm only a man myself. That right there shows you that Jesus Christ is God. You say, how does that show me Jesus is God? Because people bowed down and worshipped Him all the time, even called Him my Lord, my God, and He never rebuked them. He couldn't have been anything other than God. Are you listening? Because the moment somebody tried to do that to Peter, he stopped him and said, hey, I ain't the one. You all get that right there? Jesus was God. But the beautiful thing is, is that this man was expecting Peter to do something great. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with the Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So what I was sent for, I came without restraining any, uh, raising any objection. May I ask, why have you sent me? Look, exclamation mark. What do you want from me? Cornelius answered four days ago. I was in my house praying at this very hour, three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard you in your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is Peter. He is a guest in the sea, a guest of the sea by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. How many would love for somebody to call you up, one of your relatives, and say, I had a dream that you are going to come preach to me. I'm going to gather up the rest of our family. Come and bring us a word. How many could believe God to do something like that? How about somebody coming up to you saying, man, I don't even know you, but I just had a vision about you. An angel showed up at my house telling me to come get value. I don't even know who you are, but you're supposed to tell me something about God. Do we believe this or is this a lie? Come on, can't God do that again? Jesus, show us your glory. Now here comes the good part. Then Peter began to speak, verse uh, 34. I now realize that how it is true that God does not show any favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear God and do what's right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So right there he just starts preaching. Very simple. Right there he says, you know that what happened from the beginning in Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in what? Power. Somebody say power. Jesus had the Holy Spirit in what? Power. How much more should you and I have the Holy Spirit in power? And how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Hey, you know what? Some of you might be saying, Pastor, well, well, I've seen you pray for people, not all of them getting healed and all this. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if my batting average is only 200 right now. It's better than zero what it was a couple weeks ago. Amen? Praise God. It's already starting to raise up. There ain't, ain't nothing wrong with doing that. But Jesus was on a level that everybody He prayed for got healed. That's how much power was on Him. 
He says in verse 39, We are witnesses of everything He did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed Him by hanging Him on a tree, but God raised Him from the dead on the third day, caused Him to be seen. Now watch what starts to break out here in their church service. It sounds pretty normal up to this point, right? Other than this man trying to worship Peter, he's just preaching, right? Everybody's seen preaching before you see preaching right now, right? We've all been to churches. How many people have ever been to a church where they preach the gospel? Okay? Okay, the others of you, I, I don't know if you're listening. How many of you have ever been to a church where they preach the gospel? Now, in the next few lines, I want you to tell me if you've ever seen this happen. Because this is an encounter with God. He says, we are witnesses of this. Verse 40, but God raised him up from the dead on the Thursday, caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but we are witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us we ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as a judge of living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through him. Now look at this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers had come with Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That's an encounter right there, baby. That's a good service. Hallelujah. That's a good service. That's what we want. That's what we want. End of the message here. Now it's application time. That's what we want. Starting off with Isaiah, you in your private time, in your personal walk with God, get ready for dreams and visions. Start expecting for another level to come into your life. You may very well see the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people have. Many people have. He's still showing His power. You may see visions of heaven. Get ready to go to another level. Even if you don't see the visions, just get more of God's glory. Get more of Him in your life. Seek after Him. Let Him take you to more and more places in His presence. Let Him show you how much He loves you. Let Him show you how much power is in His, his words. Let Him show you the, the future things of your family. That's called vision. Let Him give you those things. And then number two, let us be like these men right here that began to go out into the world and introduce people to Jesus Christ with power. With power. Not just with words. i got to show you that in closing. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. So many of us here, we've gotten so used to just hearing the gospel spoken to us without any power, without any manifestation of glory. But it always should come with power. Look at what Paul said. You know, you know if the man wrote most of the New Testament, that dude could preach. You knew he had something to say. Hello, somebody? If that man could write about you know, nine books of the New Testament, how many knew he had his stuff together? But look at what he says in 1 Corinthians about what he did when he came to preach to them. Look at what he says. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Look at what he says. For Christ, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ did not send us to baptize, but to preach, not with words of human wisdom. Let the cross of Christ be emptied of the power. He didn't say, I just came to convince you, that I just came to hang out with you. He said, I came to preach the gospel with power. He doesn't want you to think that it was, he didn't want you to think it was just about the book or the wisdom. He wanted you to see the power of God. Look at the next verse, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There it is again. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. 
the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Now look at what he says. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where's the Bill Gates? Where's the, where's the Dawkins? Where's the, you know, the Darwins? He says, where are these men? Where are their philosophers? Where's the Plato's? Where's the Aristotle's? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what is preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the what? Power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Now go to 2 Corinthians. Just one more time. What Paul said he came to do. He came with the power. He came to preach the gospel of God to them. Look at what he says. Look at what he says in First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians now. Somebody show me where he did not come to. He came in power and demonstration. That first or Second Corinthians. I got to show this in closing before we pray. There it is. Go to. Uh, I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter two. Chapter two. Now look at verse 4. I should have just kept reading. Look at this. Well, rather start in verse 2. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just more, Jesus. Look at it in verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. See, Paul wasn't anybody special. He said, my message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's what? Power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's what? Power. Let us preach with God's power. Let us preach with the power of God. Would you all stand with me today? Have an encounter with God today. Let's start right now. Let's go to part two. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. Right now, we're going to demonstrate God's power. Josh, would you just come and... Andrew, set up the, uh, the Zoom so I can hold it up here. Because I'm going to need Josh to help me pray in just a minute. But right now, just go on the guitar for me, brother. How many are glad you came tonight? Amen. Isn't it just wonderful to be in His presence? Father, we love You. Glory. Glory. You know what? The Lord wants to demonstrate power in this place. He wants to demonstrate His glory. He wants us to begin to see the signs and wonders and miracles. Let's start with right now those who have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 